Welcome to the fifth episode of the Therapy Radio Project of the Spark Life. Today we have with us Ms. Akshay Parthasarathy, gerontologist and community mental health expert. She holds two master's degrees, the first being a master's in social work with a specialization in mental health from the Tata Institute of Social Sciences and a second MA in gerontology from the Georgia State University, Atlanta. With a rich background in the fields of social work and social care, Akshaya has worked as a graduate research assistant in Georgia State University. There, she has worked towards improving person-centered care for dementia training in assisted living facilities. She has also worked at the Second Wind Dreams in Atlanta, a non-profit dedicated to changing perceptions around aging. Hello, Akshay. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Devati. Thank you. How are you? I hope uh, the uh, during this pandemic, everything is all right and you're safe. Oh, yes. All safe and all good. Okay. So this is a very interesting topic we have in hand today. Uh, it is about uh, aging, different aspects of it mental health issues associated with aging and elderly care. Uh, so far in all our uh, podcast on mental health, this is not something which we have exclusively touched upon. So thank you very much for being with us and uh, answering the questions that uh, are so important at this given age and time. So let us begin. Uh, my first question is that uh, this is a basic one. How do the mental health aspects of an elderly individual vary from middle-aged people or young adults. Also, is there a different approach to treat an elderly person from others? So, uh, begin uh, before I begin with, you know, answering the question, I'd like to just uh, draw out your attention to the word elderly individual that you used in the sentence. Yeah. So, um, elderly usually denotes, you know, one particular part of the age population, which begins with 75 to 84, which is young old. And then you have 84 to 95, which is the old old. And then the oldest old is from 95 above. Now, Elderly kind of, you know, misses out the uh, transitioning age uh, from, you know, when you move from middle age to elderly, it Uh, kind of misses out that particular age spectrum, you know. So I more so uh, like using the word older adult so that it's more inclusive uh, and, you know, it's less exclusive. Yeah, like elder. Um, but moving on to, you know, the mental health aspects that, uh, you know, affect an older adult, um, you know, they're more so related to the kind of unique experiences that an older adult goes through. You know, you're mm-hmm. talking about experiences with respect to your voluntary retirement or your retirement, you know, your right. post-retirement phase. Yes. Or you're talking about, uh, you know, a phase uh, in time when uh, your children have left uh, or your you know family members are moving out mm-hmm. and uh, a once full you know nest is now empty um, Uh and you're faced with your spouse uh, or else you have another unique experience of uh, you know physical changes that your body goes through as you're aging Uh, they might be related to your uh, vision they might be related to your uh, you know mobility for example you're really susceptible to falls Um, or else uh, you know you have other aspects like cancer or you have uh, you know a heart disease Heart disease, I'm sorry. So, um, you know, when you talk about mental health aspects, uh, you know, one usually thinks that it's mostly only, you know, limited to depression or anxiety or mood disorders or Parkinson's or dementia. But uh, these, you know, unique life experiences also, you know, uh, lead to a lot of limiting in social interactions, which Mm -hmm. uh, lead to a lot of loneliness, which in turn lead to these kind of, you know, comorbid um, illnesses, mental illnesses that, you know, I just mentioned. Uh, 
Right. Um, so uh, it's really unique to their experiences. And okay. uh, your second part of the question with respect to, you know, the kind of approach to treat yeah. an older adult uh, versus yeah. others. Yeah. Um, Mostly the kind of, you know, uh, symptoms that would underlie, you know, mental illnesses, uh, for mm-hmm. example, that of depression, like, you know, you're uh, with younger adult, the signs and symptoms would be mostly related to, you know, withdrawal from, you know, those lack of interest in usual leisurely activities or right. your loss of interest in food, uh, trouble in sleep. And most of these symptoms are often, you know, not so easily identifiable in older adults. Okay. They're kind of mixed together with the whole, uh, you know, natural process of aging. And what is Mm -hmm. important here with the, uh, you know, approach, I would heavily emphasize is a person-centered approach. So you definitely have to, you know, in order to grasp an understanding of their personality, it's Mm -hmm. important to look into their life history, you know, their life course, which shaped their personality and then look at their triggering, you know, situations and Mm -hmm. the problem and then lead to a more personalized, you know, approach towards care. So the person is really important in the center of this. So that would definitely be an approach that I I would um, emphasize. Okay. Uh, and uh, a, a related question, which uh, basically uh, arose from uh, your answer, is that, uh, you know, uh, at an advanced age, people are, uh, as you told, you know, family members might leave and uh, they might be left with their own, just mm-hmm. their own spouse. And uh, eventually, you know, uh, someone, one of them, uh, like, might also uh, die of natural causes. And uh, in uh, the these sort of situations, do you think uh, they need a special approach of grief counseling or does it help at all uh, when it comes to persons who are grieving and who are also uh, at an advanced age? So this is a very interesting question. And it's really important that, you know, uh, older adults realize that certain aspects, for example, losing one's spouse or, you know, these are certain natural occurrences, natural as they may be, they're really impactful. Um, And it's really important for the older adults or the family members surrounding the older adults to not Uh, forget that, you know, uh, these are aspects which are not just part of the normal process of, you know, aging and then ultimately dying towards death. But it's something that's really impactful on your psychological, you know, sense, yourself, everything, your day to day living, which is drastically changed now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really important for not just the older adult, but as well as the family members to realize that this is not something that you're naturally supposed to, you know, develop those kind of defense mechanisms mechanisms and Mm -hmm. coping mechanisms and take care of by oneself that certainly induces a lot of pressure on that older individual. Mm -hmm. There are instances wherein, you know, you might probably not have that kind of a support system in terms of your family. Right. Or in terms of your relatives or in terms of your friends and mm-hmm. or neighbors. And in such instances, it's really important that, you know, the that older adult is reminded that, you know, you, you should look to available resources that are there in the society and definitely step out because it's it's not, uh, you know, on them to take care of everything yeah, by of themselves. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, definitely it's a, important for them to um, step out. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's a very complex situation in an, 
in a world which is already ridden with so many problems. Uh, moving on, um, according to you know uh, reports which I've read, uh, dementia dementia has gone, grown into sort of an epidemic in India. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us uh, that what are these uh, what are the early signs of dementia and can it be prevented if it is detected early? Uh, Yeah, so dementia is definitely a public health priority right now in India. And Mm. some of the early signs, um, you know, are related to um, uh, kind of mixing, you know, your uh, family members by their names, for example, Uh uh, mixing your husband's name in your son's name, Mm. or else mixing, you know, a person that you've just come across and calling them your daughter. Um, or else uh, mixing the days of the week Hmm. or else, uh, you know, a lot of disorienting disorientation with, uh, you know, the time of the day. Is it night Uh or day or else, uh, you know, a lot of uh, confusion with numbers, you know, those uh, denomination on the banknotes. They have a lot of issue with, uh, you know, normal stuff with respect to that or else figuring out what the time of the day is Mm -hmm. um, on the clock. So those are definitely some early warning signs. And the difference between that and now, natural process of aging is that if you're forgetting you would definitely be still be able to you know um, remind yourself with a note or uh, help yourself out but that Ah, whole angle of self-help is kind of taken away in uh, you know the early uh, signs of dementia when they're not able to help themselves here okay uh, or remind themselves so um those are some early signs Um, and can they be prevented if they're detected early Um, if they're detected early the only thing that can be done, sadly, is uh, delaying the progression of the disease. Okay. Um, they're still working on the cure, but unfortunately, it's only the progression that can be delayed for now. Okay, I understand. So, uh, obviously, then, if it remains undiagnosed or, uh, I mean, even if it is diagnosed, then uh, there will be certain impairment one can have who has mm-hmm. dementia, right? And uh, so uh, can you tell us uh, what are the basic guidelines for helping someone with dementia? Because as you said, you know, uh, someone is mixing up with the name of their husband from their uh, child. Mm-hmm. So that can also affect the relationship between the caregiver and the person who is afflicted with dementia. And uh, uh, in your experience, uh, have you seen caregivers also responding uh, differently because the relationship changed? Oh, definitely. Uh, this is another very interesting, uh, you know, uh, question that you asked. In the caregivers that I've come across, the family caregivers, yeah. uh, mostly, you know, uh, the people who are in the position of the primary caregiver is either their daughter-in-law, okay, okay. or or is their daughter, or is their son. Uh, right. Mostly, it's their daughter-in-law or their son. Now, mm-hmm. what happens is the kind of pre-existing relation they had before the illness occurred, um, and the kind of illness that they have. Uh, sorry, the kind of relation they have post the illness, it's kind of Mm. heightened. So that, you know, is another dynamic completely, um, which is away from the main part of the question. But uh, apart from that, this kind of, uh, you know, uh, forgetting of someone who's so close, for example, your loved one who's your mother or your father who's uh, forgetting your own name and you're their their child, Hmm. um, that definitely does you know, hit them really hard uh, because, well, you're supposed to remember me, right? Um, So it does affect them emotionally. But then as and when they get to understand that this is the illness part Mm -hmm. of them, which is, you know, making them do that and not the person behind that illness. And that person is very much still there, Mm -hmm. Um, which brings me on to, you know, uh, the guidelines of, you know, how to communicate with a person living with dementia 
Hmm. Um, you know, it's a very long and intense journey and stressful journey of a person being a caregiver right. or the person living with dementia. But uh, and it's very easy to become frustrated. But one thing that is to be kept in mind is as much as possible, avoid becoming frustrated by, okay. you know, actually empathizing and remembering that your loved one um, literally can't help their condition and making them right. feel safe rather than feeling stressed out would definitely make that whole communication process way more easier. Right. And that would help you in, you know, the caregiver and getting to know, okay, those are their needs. And then, you know, okay, that's how we can cater to their needs or else mm. keeping the communication really short, simple and clear one direction at a time, like mm. one instruction at a time, uh, you know, for us, um, a person living with without dementia saying you know instructions like okay so make sure that you keep the cooker on the stove and then you light the stove on and then make sure you lift the whistle those are mm-hmm. three things and we it would be somewhat easy for us to follow it but we would have lost the person living with dementia just with you know two instructions that yeah. would lead to a lot more confusion and chaos and a lot more of you know behavioral uh, and psychological outburst right. and um, right. That would not help the, you know, whole scenario. Also, if they, you know, appear to be in any doubt about who you are, remind them gently that, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, this is who I am. Or else call them by their name, um, speak slowly. It would definitely help them when you speak slowly because, you know, words uh, would take longer to process uh, Mm -hmm. by them. Um, As well as using close-ended questions, which, you know, uh, it leaves an answer to just a simple yes or no is right. way more easier for them to answer rather than a complex, you know, structuring of sentence mm-hmm. and then them being lost in processing all of that. I so understand. those are certain basic guidelines that would uh, definitely um, help in, you know, uh, communicating and um, dealing with a person who's living with dementia. Okay, yeah, they're extremely illuminating. I'm sure people who are listening and uh, if some uh, one of them are unfortunately dealing with something like this at home, mm-hmm. this is extremely, this is, uh, this is worth uh, paying a lot of attention and uh, basically imbibing these practices uh, with uh, your own uh, caregiving situation. Uh, thank you. They're extremely exp- uh, explanatory and also illuminating. Uh, moving on, uh, how does uh, caring for an Alzheimer's patient differ from that of any other dementia patient? Are there any specific symptoms one should look out uh, specifically for with regard to early onset of Alzheimer's? So with respect to early onset Alzheimer's, uh, you know, one of the main, uh, you know, symptoms that one would look out for is their ability to grasp new information. So uh, with Alzheimer's, the one part of the brain that literally gets affected first and foremost mm-hmm. is the part of that brain that deals with learning. Right. So what happens is when you're giving them new things to learn or new things to, you know, deal with, they would not be able to grasp it as much. Okay. So with respect to the care process for, you know, a person person living with Alzheimer's versus other uh, dementias, probably Mm. one thing that I would suggest is, you know, always, um, you know, if you know uh, the person's history through Mm. uh, their, uh, you know, relatives or their friends, Mm -hmm. um, figuring out that one aspect which they've really been into, for example, painting. We've had uh, people living with Alzheimer's, um, you know, who were really into painting or they were architects, you know, in their profession. 
Right. Uh, or people who are really into carrom board or people who are really into singing yeah. uh, or dancing and um giving them that you know activity during the day and um engaging them in that activity really helps them be in that happy space oh, versus you know putting them into a you know new activity where you're like okay learn this and you know look at this and learn this and they mm-hmm. feel even more confused with what they're looking at and that would really bring about more chaos because they can sense that they're not able to grasp it with the seemingly you know it's it, it's apparently easy according to the other person but i'm not able to grasp it and uh, that would lead in lead to a lot of anger and a lot of uh, psychological you know outbursts which right. sometimes would puzzle the person who's looking at uh, you know when they're looking on the onlooker but mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah this would an, definitely be something that would help that's an excellent suggestion i think um, even mm-hmm. uh, uh, anything anything that uh, someone likes to do probably lessens uh, certain aspects of the disease and right. uh, well uh, moving on this is probably not uh, your uh, core area of expertise but uh, mm-hmm. as a gerontologist you know uh, what is your opinion of the assisted living facilities in india which lack basic infrastructure and uh, even uh, a policy level understanding of the intricacies or uh, intricacies that surround aging uh, what mm-hmm. would be your main suggestion uh, how do we make these facilities better um so one thing that i would definitely suggest here is the role of an ombudsman now okay. the ombudsman is a person you know uh, which i have observed in um, united states and other countries mm-hmm. the ombudsman is a person who you know it's basically a whole program but it's a program within which it, it allows for random checks on mm-hmm. assisted living facilities with respect to you know the kind of uh, uh, engagement or communication or the kind of of uh dealing you know that's going mm-hmm. on within the assisted living facilities and where the care uh, you know process is at um right. as well as engaging with the uh people who are living the older adults who are living within the assisted facilities mm-hmm. and getting to know their uh, you know opinion about uh, how the care you know process is and how good it is and if it's missing out on something we need that kind of uh, you know uh, a program wherein uh, the kind of quality check and monitoring monitoring can happen uh, right. you know sudden quality monitoring checks it's really required um okay. and one more thing that i would definitely suggest is um you know we have a lot of assisted living facilities but we also have more of those you know um private uh, established old yeah. age homes yeah. uh, which are placed within the community and offering you know care for older adults yeah. um but neither the administrative staff there nor the owner of the homes nor the working staff you're talking about nurses care workers yeah. neither of them are trained especially or sensitized with respect to you know the needs of the elderly with oh, respect to okay. what condition that they're going through whether it's mental health or whether it's physical health we do not have that kind of departmentalization unless the you know uh, the assisted living facility caters to more on uh, you know a more uh, upper economic strata um, but mostly we you know there's a higher uh, percentage of individuals who belong to the middle uh, income strata and okay. they would not find that kind of facilities going on there oh, um so okay. the kind of abuse that you know perpetrate 
kids uh, in such scenarios because yeah. they do not they're not sensitized they're not educated they mm-hmm. would get frustrated more because that's the kind of nature of uh, you know job effect that would have you know on care workers within mm-hmm. such a situation um since they are not sensitized and they're not aware that it's not the person who's trying to be deliberately difficult but it's rather the condition that's not allowing them to be cooperative or uh, helpful you know in assistance mm-hmm. um it it kind of helps in mediating or mitigating that kind of abuse that would happen there and leading on from that you know uh, another thing that i would definitely suggest would be a background criminal check on the staff oh, um you know there are a lot of uh, perpetrators of different kinds of abuse happening there with verbal abuse with physical abuse sometimes even sexual abuse mm-hmm. and yeah. there's no background criminal check done on the stuff right, and the right. kind of you know place that you're uh, either having to leave your uh, family member who's an older adult mm-hmm. out of no other option because you're not able to no longer to able to take care of them at your home mm-hmm. um you know the, it becomes a very scary place to want to leave your older adult yeah, um you know in such a place so yeah. um yeah you have ageism rampant even in a safe place which is supposed to be a safe space you know exactly. for older adults Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So can, those would be some um imagine those that. would be some um I don't know suggestions that I would definitely yeah, yeah, give. Yeah. Of course. Um mm-hmm. uh, uh moving on uh, you know uh it is not only for uh, people who are of an advanced age but uh, mental health problems that re- it, it still remains a taboo in India and seeking Definitely. professional help is uh, not something which majority of Indians do though mm-hmm. many reports suggest that uh, Indians have uh, a mental health epidemic of sorts as well. Uh mm-hmm. now uh especially if you are uh if you're prompting uh, your elderly someone who is uh, mm-hmm. again i'm i'm using the word elderly not the mm-hmm. way you do uh, but mm-hmm. someone of advanced age to mm-hmm. uh, go and uh, seek help or even to take them to seek professional help it can be mm-hmm. a little difficult to convince them so what do you recommend what should be the approach of uh, anyone who would like to you know seek uh, help for their family members uh, mm-hmm. how would one broach the topic so um you know it definitely begins with the starting stages of a lot of advocacy a lot of community you know awareness that's required before we move on to the next step of being able to actually connect with you know um the family members or else uh, you know the uh, older adults and with the kind of um, you know amazing uh, awareness that's being spread about through uh, you know spark.live i'm yeah. really glad that you know one step is kind of you know done already with the advocacy uh, you know regarding um aspects with respect to you know um well uh, the kind of resources that are available in the society most often than not what stops them is the non awareness that you know you have resources that deal with um issues with respect to um let's say dementia or right, elder right. abuse and what happens is most of the caregivers that i have dealt with um they have often uh, expressed to me that i have been the first point of contact or first person with mm-hmm. whom they have been able to share their long intense yeah. and stressful journey with and okay. uh, they do not have that kind 
that kind of you know a relative or friend support because of the mental health taboo they've mm. not been able to share that or express that and just the okay. you know being able to put it out there and express their problem is mm. halfway towards acknowledging that is the problem and then getting the therapist in and being able to provide the solution is the other half so um it's really yeah. important that you know uh, the caregivers as well as the older adults mm. are you know um, helped with respect to their ages you know um uh tendencies that sometimes we ourselves imbibe you know and self fulfill uh, uh during the whole process of you know facing an age society so it's really important that they're reminded that there are available resources and support groups and mm-hmm. you know these are the support systems available and um not just medical support systems with respect to aging uh, you know yeah, but yeah. also counseling based resources and they definitely should not be included as part of the normal process of aging but rather you know it it's it's as much uh, of a uh, clinical relevance that you know they uh, receive the kind of clinical help mm-hmm. that they require yeah, yeah. Uh, this is very interesting because my next two questions were basically related so mm-hmm. uh, first uh, when you said that you know caregivers come to you and say that you know this is the first time they're talking to someone pouring mm-hmm. their heart out about the problems they might be facing with an elderly adult uh, mm-hmm. in their family so uh, does it become a dual challenge for you because you have to counsel the caregivers and also uh, the person concerned and related to that uh, what we see in india is a rampant form of ageism that uh, some some kind of a mental health issue or some kind of a uh, impairment that might happen to someone is uh, mm-hmm. is more or less brushed aside as oh yeah he's getting older and you know this will happen I don't mm-hmm. worry about it we don't need to do anything about it and mm-hmm. uh, that attitude i'm sure it as a as a professional a gerontologist uh, that does not help that might you know lead to aggravate uh, certain aspects of their mental health so mm-hmm. uh, basically what do you think about it like uh, first of course is it a dual challenge to you know counsel the caregiver plus mm-hmm. uh, the elderly person and second mm-hmm. uh, uh, is this a, is there a cultural problem about you know brushing aside a certain uh, issues related to uh, aging uh, by just you know uh, something which which should happen or which is which is natural progression um so number one answering the first part of your question you yeah. know with respect to being a dual problem and um, providing assistance to both the fa- you know the primary caregiver as well as the older adult definitely so um both of them since this is a you know a continuing relationship and a bond it's it's definitely an uh, you know uh, imperative that both are addressed and uh, you right. cannot take one out of the equation yes. so um and you know most often than not caregivers or the fa- family members are often ignored um mm-hmm. but they are the invisible patients right there because they go through the 24/7 especially with respect to dementia they're 24/7 you know invisible patients sitting right there uh, okay. who undergo you know a severely stressful uh, journey with respect to uh, caregiving and then you also have the person living with dementia and um most often than not what happens is you know with respect to caregivers that i have heard um yeah. as well as accounts of people living with um 
uh, dementia, you know, the early stages, the accounts that I have heard is that, uh, you know, they've been ignored while they were sitting there in front of the, their first point of contact is mostly the physician, um, not, a, you know, a social worker or not a, a gerontologist because we do not have that kind of facility yet in the yes. medical uh, you know system which should be there but mm-hmm. uh, since their first point of contact is the general physician most often than not what happens is that uh, the the person who's living with dementia or the person who's uh, older adult is often yeah. ignored because well uh, you know they're looked at as an invalid already so the questions that right. are addressed right. to are to the family uh, you know caregiver not to the older adult so the right. older per- person is basically a sitting duck right there but all the mm-hmm. questions are focused on the family care giver and that kind of you know uh, uh, an ageist uh, approach already defeats the purpose in the exactly. care path because you are not addressing the person who's in the center of all of this who is the older adult mm-hmm. and the only person who is addressed here is the you know um, a company accompanying visibly younger family uh, member. So that is definitely a cultural problem that exists here. And um, with respect to family caregivers and older adults being addressed at the same time, it's definitely a a challenge in many Mm -hmm. cases because, you know, you um, need to address the kind of resolving, you need to address the kind of tensions that have existed between the family caregiver and the older adult with the kind of relationship history they've had before the illness or after the illness. And um, it takes a lot of time, but with during the course of therapy, it um, can be addressed and it can be resolved. Okay. Yeah, uh, I understand. And that is very instructive, actually, uh, even mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we, I assume, are uh, of uh, an age who listen to podcasts and mm-hmm. uh, not many uh, others uh, of a certain age group, they may not. So uh, mm-hmm. the information that is going out is something which the caregivers are mostly listening to. So that's why mm-hmm. I think uh, it is very instructive of you to, you know, uh, explain this in such lucid fashion and uh, something which you said again it is uh, related that uh, in India particularly uh, mm-hmm. still uh, many younger uh, people they uh, live with their parents even after marriage they don't move out and uh, uh, you know there is a joint family setup particularly mm-hmm. in uh, uh, semi-urban or rural setup people still right. live with their parents so right. uh, in uh, it, first of all is this a uh, is this a good thing bad thing or is it something gray uh, which you can address as a gerontologist or uh, and the second thing is that uh, when when it comes to show like if someone is facing uh, certain mental health issues or mm-hmm. issues related mm-hmm. to aging uh, mm-hmm. do you suggest that person to be kept at home and being treated or you suggest mm-hmm. them to move to an assisted living facility Okay, so um, with respect to the first part of the question, you know, with respect to if this trend is, uh, you know, overall uh, a good thing or is it a bad thing uh, with, uh, you know, uh, joint family setups or, uh, you know, people, younger adults living with their uh, parents. Um, So one thing that uh, I would definitely point out here is, uh, you know, the dependency rate that uh, is really high in uh, urban setups as well as Mm -hmm. semi-urban setups. And they are even more 
high in uh, rural setups but they're staggeringly high even in urban setups and this dependency mm-hmm. rate i'm talking about is um not uh, you know with respect to younger adults living with older adults but rather because of a lack of welfare system uh, yeah. for the older adults they are right. reduced to you know a stage of being dependent upon their younger you know their children who are uh-huh. married now and right. they unfortunately are in a dependent state when they have to stay with their uh, children more often than not in yeah. you know a middle economic uh, strata or lower economic strata and yeah. this really leads to a lot of um you know issues with respect to uh, caregiving or with respect to uh, you know frustration with respect to uh, younger adults either looking at it in terms of uh, you know another um, uh, you know area where uh, they have to spend extra money on and uh, this is an extra burden yeah, or else uh, older adults themselves feel this because they're imbibing and self fulfilling those kind of ageist you know um, uh, interactions that they come across where and they're like oh no you should not be living with your children anymore and you should be self sufficient but they're still in a dependent state because of a lack of welfare system in our country Right, right. So um it really is a gray area with being bad or worse but yeah, I, I in I personal so. as in my personal opinion I find this to be uh, uh, an area which leads to more uh, you know chances for abuse more chances for uh, you know uh, uh, you know financial abuse uh, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. abandonment that we see a lot uh, yeah. with respect to older adults um yeah. but one thing that's important to be understood here is not just looking at from the angle of older adult as much as i'd love to trust me yeah, but yeah. also looking at it from the angle of the younger adult and um looking at the kind of desperation wherein there are limited financial resources yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know there are limited support systems and um It, we we do not have that kind of support system unless it's a you know one of those uh, homeless you know um uh programs that we have going on in our country wherein you have uh people who are mixed with uh mental health issues mixed with mm-hmm. abandonment issues mixed with uh crim sometimes criminal issues and yeah. when put in such scenarios you have older adults going through way more and sometimes developing you know mental health issues right out of that so i look exactly. at this more personally i look at this as a, a bad area wherein um you know something should be also done with respect to the welfare schemes for right. older adults yeah. and um with respect to um you know advising older adults whether they should be living in assisted facilities if they develop you know any issues with respect yeah. to their physical health or mental health again i would point out that it's the it's important that the opinion of the older adult is sought here what they wish to do whether they live wish to live within the community or whether they wish to live within the assisted living facility right. so it's their choice and it's their you know uh, i don't know um Uh, it it it's, it's basically dependent upon yeah. that yeah yeah so they uh you know uh we live in a community which is still close knit uh mm-hmm. with uh, in comparison to uh western communities and mm-hmm. that can play a deciding factor uh, 
uh, right. if uh, where is an older person should seek professional help or the community mm-hmm. itself can come together and help the person uh, and uh, this is uh, uh, we are almost out of time but i will mm-hmm. i will uh, try and ask this last question because uh, mm-hmm. we talked about community and you talked about uh, abuse that has happened mm-hmm. that uh, that takes place in elderly care homes the so called vridhashrams and so on mm-hmm. uh, i want to know that uh, when you are dealing with someone who is a survivor of violence because mm-hmm. that is your i'm sure that is one of your primary uh, area uh, right. when uh, someone who is of advanced age has been abused what is mm-hmm. your approach uh, in counseling them in trying to make them feel better um so one thing that's really important uh, to know about older adults who have gone through abuse is that you know especially neglect and emotional abuse wherein there are no physical abuse yeah. but it's uh, you know physical signs of abuse happening but it's neglect and emotional abuse right. it's more harder to detect that abuse has happened because the more often than not within our country they're not going to come forward because of the cultural notion that you know uh, it's family right. honor and uh, it should not come out and it's my child there at stake uh, probably their future going and what will the society say so that kind of uh, you know talk is not most probably going to come out out of the older adults mouth unless and until mm-hmm. it's absolutely still persistent and rampant and they're uh, at a point of desperation right. um but you know it's is most often they're not confused for uh, signs and symptoms of uh, you know cognitive decline because it's mm-hmm. really similar to that um but uh, with respect to you know how to uh, guide them it would definitely be you know i i'm reminded of a case a similar case that i, I had addressed where mm-hmm. you know it was a, a case of tension between uh, the family caregiver and uh, the older adult yeah. and uh, there had been neglect and there had been emotional abuse and uh, there had been a lot of uh, you know tension uh, between uh, the two and yeah. the first thing that would be done is trying to resolve the kind of tension that is there uh, and right. improve moving the communication and interactions uh, which were you know both physical and verbal earlier but becoming more uh, you know uh, instead of being more co- you know coarse and harsh making those kind of communications and interactions more uh, you know um, constructive yeah. and then working towards uh, coping with the trauma and then uh, you know making sure that the older adult knows about the available resources Right. Uh, this is really important being aware of your rights and being uh, aware of you know the resources that you have okay. and then making also making sure that the older adult has plans for safety you know mm-hmm. in such scenarios um okay Yeah so, uh, so this would definitely be a pathway that I would take. Right so uh but do uh do you uh, know uh, what are the support groups are there any support groups like that or are there any relevant authorities they can reach out to if uh, something like this um, happens? So uh, I am not aware of all the support groups that of we course. have in India yeah. it's been quite some time since I've been in India but right. um with respect to one main support group that I do know um uh, it goes by the name of Dignity Foundation Dignity um, Foundation okay. yeah they are a non-profit who work for dementia like uh, issues pertaining pertaining to dementia care as well as elder abuse okay. um and um they have uh, ties with you know the legal counsel and mm-hmm. uh, they are that way they are able to provide not just uh, you know uh, counseling uh, based services for uh, uh, abused uh, older adults but as well as you know providing legal counsel and safety uh, you know networks that uh, you know the older adult should know uh, yeah. they have rights to and um, they can access uh, so 
Dignity Foundation is available in different, uh, you know, cities in India. And okay. uh, that is one support system that I definitely know is available. But okay. um, I'd be happy to provide more um, information. Yeah, sure, sure. We'll, uh, we'll probably yeah. come back to you uh, for a second episode like this. Because, uh, yes, today we are completely out of time. But uh, this is <laughs> such an important topic. And uh, your answers, uh, your, your talking points were exhaustive. They were wonderful. They were instructive. And obviously... Uh, I learned so many new things today and uh, that's why it is very important to keep the conversation going and uh, thank you so much Akshaya for being a uh, part of uh, this podcast and uh, for the listeners uh, she is on Spark Live as an expert uh, she offers counseling uh, on our platform so if you have any kind of problem uh, which we have discussed today please feel free to reach out to her uh, thank you Akshaya I, uh, it has been a wonderful conversation thank you so much for having me okay bye bye all right